Welcome to Locally Sourced Joey. And if you feel like being a jerk today, that's all right, because that is the topic of the book, Everyone in L.A. is a Redacted, by Sarah Nofke under the pen name Sarah Fuller. She's doing her best to offend every single person in the world by the end of this episode. So if you are just kind of in a a sour mood, uh, you know, a little upset, I don't know if... Maybe your fantasy football team fell apart. Maybe you're smart enough to not play fantasy football. You're just mad about people uh, breaking completely before they put their turn signal on to turn. Common thing here in Austin. Whatever's grinding your gears, we're going to empathize with you because, hey, everyone in LA and honestly probably throughout the world is a redacted. So sit back, relax, or maybe you're listening to this on a run or at the gym. Who am I to judge? I love listening to podcasts while I'm running and I hope if you are running, my voice is motivating, and I really hope Sarah's voice is motivating because she's talking in this podcast too, so take it away, Sarah. I would like to start uh, with your hometown because I currently live in Texas, and when I read the part about the horrible state of Texas, I was like, I I have an inkling of where uh, I think she might be talking about, but what, uh, what was that like growing up in small town Texas? Oh, I think it provided a lot of character, so... um. I grew up in um, East Texas area, and I don't know. I mean, it was it, it, there wasn't much to do, and I a lot of people ask me like, why do you think you became a writer? And my honest answer is, I think I just got really bored as a kid. <laughs> I li- I just like would go outside and lay on the trampoline because there was nothing to do, and I lived on a lake, and that was that was awesome. But there was nobody around. We lived in this area where it was all weekenders. And so there was no kids to play with or anything like that. And it really gave me, um, I think, a a passion for the city because I just can't do small anymore. Um, I love having amenities and airports and things. (laughs) Where are you in Texas? I'm in Austin. So, oh, well, that's awesome. Yeah. That's that's great, Texas. Yeah, I was just talking with someone about how expansive Texas is and how you can drive even just like an hour outside of a major city and it's like you're in an alien land and it, it's baffling to me, but also wonderful. Well, that's, yeah, absolutely accurate. And Austin is amazing. So whenever I um, diss on Texas, <laughs> I, I a lot of times I'm like, but not Austin because that looks okay. Um, but I have some friends there, so I, I love that city. Yeah, it's a nice little... I. Uh, oasis i guess in the middle of of a lot of uh, other not as not as great things although some some parts of texas are fine but yeah east texas i have not i i guess had the the mispleasure of going to visit why like, why yeah. would you go yeah no. i mean i don't have a reason that's probably why i haven't been there <laughs> are you you're not from texas no i'm from chicago originally and i actually did live in la for a couple of years so it was i uh, very much a, a nostalgic trip to read your book (laughs) really well that's good you're still talking to me so (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because when um especially when we had the original title before it was redacted um it was la people that laughed the hardest and they were like yep that's accurate you know (laughs) they're well aware yeah and i think you do a good job early on of saying that you are also an asshole you're not like casting such harsh judgment you're also very introspective which i think is an important important piece to have well thank you i appreciate that and for some people that were offended by the book you know i'm like well come on like i i diss on me more than anybody else 
but you can't make everybody happy. So, and especially when you call 4 million people assholes. <laughs> yeah, it's usually a good recipe a to, to irritate people. So it is the official title then that it's it, everyone in LA is a redacted. Do I have a, like a special copy that I don't, it doesn't say redacted on it. Yours doesn't say redacted. It doesn't. I get the full on asshole. That sounds dirty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Out of context. That would be strange. Um, yeah, so you probably have one of the earlier editions. Ooh. And at one point, we were trying to do advertising through Amazon. And they just, they could not do the the word. And people were putting reviews up. And of course, they would, they would um, you know, mention the title. Or they would say, oh, you know, Sarah is a real asshole. Which is completely fine with me. <laughs> and while the reviews were getting taken down, so at one point, and I mean, Michael and I, um, he, he's my collaborator and uh, publisher, and um, he he was just like, okay, I think we have to cave. And so that's why we did the redacted. And I don't love it, but we, we were trying to do what we could for the life of the book. So for uh, non-internet uh, algorithm things, are you can you say asshole or do you have to, for branding purposes, I guess, stick with redacted? Yeah, for branding purposes. And I, you know, I mean, this is all new territory for for Michael and I. So we're kind of learning as we go. He's, you know, science fiction, and I'm science fiction and fantasy. And so all of a sudden, we jumped into what we're calling, I guess, chiclet. Um, And it was just really, you know, it's not something we're, we're familiar with. So we'll see how it goes. Nice. And so what what was the initial impetus for wanting to make that jump from sci-fi to chiclet. I imagine that's probably not a super frequent move, but I mean, I think it worked well. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, it was just kind of a passion project. Michael and I were on Videocom and I kept derailing the conversation. We're talking about a science fiction series that we were writing together. And I keep derailing the conversation, talking about my defunct, you know, dating life. And he's just laughing and he's like, at some point when you have a chance, I just want you to write down these stories and then we're going to call it everyone in LA is an asshole. And I was like, okay. And I, I kind of had a few failed series. I Not failed, they just didn't blow up. And so I was like, you know what? I'm ready to try something different. So I kind of just fell into it. And the whole idea was it would only work if we got the idea of a single science fiction writer dating in LA because you know there's a lot of people dating in LA but I kind of think that science fiction writers are geeks um I'll get emails about that one um (laughs) but uh yeah so I just we kind of fell into it I don't know that I would go back to it um I'm back into my fantasy roots now and it's just so much easier I can put all of the things I'm thinking and feeling into my characters and people aren't pointing the finger at me and saying I can't believe you said that um so it was a risk. Yeah, but I mean, that's the, the fun part of life is taking risks, right? I think so. And, you know, we were really happy with, with the book and how it, it came out. I was, you know, mortified for, I think, a few weeks. But taking the <laughs> risk is, is really what this business is all about. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. And and in the the dating world, like getting back into it, what was... I mean, I know you, you kind of touch on this for the book, but maybe for people who haven't gotten the chance to read it yet, what, what is like the, the most difficult part? Is it just putting yourself back out there and being like, oh, I have to kind of 
you know, get my like sort of first date appearance and personality ready again? I think so. And my other girlfriends that are single, they share this sentiment. It's kind of, you know, like you have this orientation period, which is sort of exhausting. And it's like, how are you? I'm good. How are you? What do you do? <laughs> what, you know, and it's just like going back, you almost like want to have like a sheet, like a resume. Okay, let's call it a resume. And you're like, here. Um, so I think, you know, that's tough. And I, you know, from reading the book, I'm not really good at keeping up appearances and um, faking it, you know, so mm-hmm. what you get is what you get. And I get really frustrated, especially in LA, where people do seem to put forth this fake persona. And it's like, well, when are you going to give me the real you, you know? And uh, I recently went on a European trip with somebody and I was like, you know, we'd only like spent like a day or two together at a time. And I was like, can't keep up those appearances after, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I had a day on a plane and nonstop travel. Um, So, uh, and I mean, I think a lot of the, you know, personalities did come out at that point, but I, I think that that's really hard. I just want people to be real. Like, if you don't like to read, do not sell to me that you like to read. You know, like the guy that I mentioned in the book that he's like, my favorite author is Hemingway, <laughs> whenever he found out I was an author. And I was like, really? Just name one. Just name one <laughs> Hemingway book. That's all I'm asking. The, the dude couldn't do it. So being fake is is probably the, the worst part of dating. I remember laughing at that part because I feel like a lot of people do reference Hemingway as their favorite author. And I'm just like, but is that just because it's like an easy one to say? Or like, I don't understand why. Because I've never really, I mean, I'm not going to profess to be a Hemingway fan. I can tell you The Old Man in the Sea. And that's, and I haven't read it. And that's my uh, my Hemingway knowledge. So um, yeah, I just... But at least you know a, a title. That's true. I could have passed that test. And then if you said, what's it about? I would have just had to guess about... Uh, you're like googling really yeah, quickly. Yeah, You're vague, like, <laughs> vague <laughs> themes of Hemingway. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I mean, not to diss Hemingway, but I think you know anybody that's like, oh, that's my favorite author. Eh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure anybody's really saying Hemingway's their favorite author at this point. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty dark stuff. Yeah. But I guess that's a whole other conversation. More people have offended. Sorry. <laughs> we should keep a running list of how many people you've offended yes. by the end of this and maybe maybe 100% of the audience that can be the end goal I'll try my best <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about politics <laughs> oh my goodness yes just uh, please just have a blank canvas for several minutes I'll go hide in a corner and then religion and yeah. let's do <laughs> my the, the thing is is it's the hippies uh, that I talk about a lot in the book and especially book two because hippies got really mad <laughs> out of everybody you know like i'm i'm talking about vegans and i'm talking about you know homosexuals and i'm talking about different races and everybody's fine but it's the hippies that got really mad and they're like this wasn't this wasn't very thoughtful sarah i'm like okay well <laughs> were you were you expecting that was there a group you thought would be more upset than others or just general la and that's not the correct term but <laughs> Los Angelinos. Like yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? We just didn't know what to expect at all. And um, I was like, okay, my family's going to disown me. My ex-husband, who I, you know, like have this business relationship with because we share, um, I call it a car. It's a daughter. Um, <laughs> but it's like we share a car. 
because sometimes he brings the gas tank back empty or, you know, the tires are all bald or whatever. You know, there's there's all these legalities, like if you shared a car. But anyways, <laughs> I thought he would be really offended. And I had him do um, a pre-read on the book before it was released. I don't think he was thrilled. I mean, I don't think like, you know, it would have been his first thing uh, for me to do, go off and write a book about, you know, our, our failed marriage. But um, he was actually supportive. He was like, okay, this isn't so bad. So I expected him to be offended. I expected my family to be like, what are you doing? Um, and actually my parents were like really intrigued. They were like, oh, well, this is neat. You know, like they were thinking of it like sex in the city sort of thing. And I started a podcast out of the book uh, called LA Chicks. Um, and so it's it's more of LA life. Um, and so they were really proud. So the people I thought that would be offended were, weren't. And then all of a sudden I get like messages from hippies and they're like, just not appreciative of, of, um, my, my ramblings and jokes, I guess. <laughs> classic, classic hippies. I know. And I'm, you know, considered myself a hippie for a while, but not anymore. <laughs> I like to bathe and wear shoes. <laughs> yeah. I, I love kicking off shoes, but like when I get home, but yeah, even just stepping briefly outside without them, it feels, feels really weird. This is a, a bit of a tangent, but, um, I have a dog and I was just reading something about the bacteria in someone's house that like, you don't really think of. And then mm -hmm. one of the things they mentioned was it's like, you know, we wash our hands if we touch something we think is dirty, but like anywhere in your kitchen is probably pretty filthy. And, He's like, and I, I like let my dog walk outside and he's probably stepping in ants and, and, uh, you know, debris and probably like other poop. And then I, he just walks back in and he's walking all over the house and he's like, and we're worried about keeping our shoes on in the house. And then I was thinking about that today when my dog came in and I'm just like, what are you, what are you carrying on you? So uh -huh. maybe, maybe dogs need little, little booties too, is the whole point of that story. I don't even know. I have seen there. those. That seems like a lot of work though. It does. I, and I think a lot of the times it's it's more of like a medical need, right? Where if they can't necessarily like stand up, right? Like even even my dog was having a little bit of that. I, not to get too down a, a sad path, but she had some brain inflammation and she was like really unable oh, to even keep herself upright. And thankfully she's gotten back to normal for the most part. She's still oh, good. A, little, a little chaotic every once in a while. But um, yeah, she was like even barely able to stand upright on a floor like her paws would just kind of like start splaying outward oh. and uh, i had read that in some cases you could throw the little booties on but i just don't i feel like even in her uh, lack of energy state she still would be like i'm not putting these on what are you doing get out of here and just shoo shoo me away well yeah it's a lot of work i mean they've got four paws version versus r2 and you know you're putting those on so i i just think that that's I, a lot of work and I mean I could totally see like that dog jumps up on the sofa and like you know I don't put my feet on the sofa and all of a sudden the dog's laying there but I don't know I mean I guess you really have to care um I was in a area in downtown LA and like I'm walking down the street and I'm not kidding you there's like razor blades and like broken needles fancy part of LA as you can guess <laughs> and there's you know like you're saying like debris there's broken glass and I'm sitting here thinking Oh my God, like people could cut their feet and stuff. Anyways, this dog, uh, this guy walks by with his dog 
any no joke has booties on them and i was like smart dog owner so i guess <laughs> if you live in downtown la you know in one of those districts that have the really crummy streets then maybe that's when you need to have the booties that's true or i don't know move <laughs> uh, one of your uh, your items on your home checklist is does this neighborhood have broken glass everywhere I think that's a, <laughs> I think that's a reasonable uh, request yeah no if there's razor blades on the road move you know just be a problem solver <laughs> i look forward to your next book of just tips of living better <laughs> sarah's trying to tell everybody how to live their life <laughs> meanwhile she can't find her car <laughs> the dating game has changed a little bit what with apps and all the all the fun little ways to meet people nowadays that don't necessarily involve meeting them face to face for a while. Um, do you have a favorite of the apps and or I, you know, any memorable moments that either were in the book or, or weren't? Oh my goodness, so many. <laughs> um, I'm not on any apps right now. I kind of just took a summer off from dating because, you know, I have my little girl. So I haven't been on any apps, but I have a friend who's single and she tells me Hinge is the new thing. So Hinge is apparently where everybody is and it's not gross or as gross as Tinder. I don't know. I'm not an expert on this, obviously. <laughs> and I was on Bumble, but that became, I realized, so Bumble is, um, for those that don't know, it's where whenever you match the female has to be the one that initiates contact. And so I really liked that idea for me because I was going through this evolution and I'm such a wimp when it comes to putting myself out there that I was like, okay, that's going to force me to make the first move or to, you know, or appreciate what a guy has to go through putting himself out there for what it feels like constant rejection. So I did that and it was hard it was so hard and i am so sorry guys for <laughs> you know having to make the first move cuz it sucks but um i the realized after we're, after doing it it was good for my evolution but then all of a sudden i felt like he was setting the wrong expectations for the relationship going forward because if if it started with me being you know the aggressor you know, the one that that made the first move, then that was like the way the relationship seemed to go. And I realized I just did, didn't want guys like that. You know, I, I maybe I'm traditional still. That's like my Texas roots or my Southern roots. And that I feel like, you know, that guys should make that first, you know, um, contact and stuff. So anyways, that was my long explanation of dating apps. <laughs> and oh my gosh, there's so many, like, I, I just, I have so many times I felt like I was on, a game show and like, you know, like where's the television or where's the camera? Like, are you, are you really being serious? Um, so there was this one guy that, um, we, we matched and we went on a date and it was hilarious. And I stayed on the date, even though this guy was a complete wrong match for me. And so he, we matched and he messages me right before the date. And he says, you better not wear anything nice or I'll get mad. And I was like, oh. I think I love you. <laughs> and I was like, I've managed to put on pants and a t-shirt. Is that okay? And he's like, yes, I think, I think that that will do. But, um, there were so many hilarious moments from that date. And I think I talk about it more in book two. Um, this is a guy that, um, we, his idea was let's go day drinking on a Wednesday. And I'm like, well, I want to screw up my life. So yes, let's do this. 
And um, so we went day drinking and we're halfway into the date. And there's been so many problems from the get go. Um, one is that he told me that he commissioned a $1,200 painting of himself as a centaur. And huh. so I had to say that slowly because whenever I tell people they're like $1,200 painting, okay, all right, of himself, okay. And then you get to like the kicker as a centaur. And I'm like, oh God, I have to see this painting because I want to further ruin my life. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> he's like, would you like to come back to my place and see the painting? And I'm like, I actually need to see the painting. <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Worst thing. Um, he had a mullet. And a mustache. And I was like, I was like, can you get your money back? And he's like, I love it. And it was like the size of like, you know, a big screen television. And um, I said, you know, why do you have a mullet? And he's like, because mullets are amazing. And I'm like, oh, my God. But at that point, I could go off the date because like this was book material. And also like, you know, this was a unicorn. When was I going to meet? Well, a centaur. But when was I going to meet this guy again? Um <laughs> And, uh, I mean, there was just so many funny moments. Like I picked cat hair off of my, you know, plain t-shirt and I'm like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I have cat hair. And he's just like, Oh my God, you have a cat. And he's like, you should let it outside and never let it back in. And I was like, it's going to get eaten by coyotes. And he's like, that, yes, exactly. He's like, that's my plan. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and like, he's like rolling his eyes every five seconds. I'm talking about I talk about in the book that um, I worked on the Obama campaign and that I have my cardboard cut out of our Obama, uh, which I re recently pulled out. I mean, it's not like this thing sits in the closet. Um, but anyways, and he's like, you did what? You worked on his campaign? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I worked on Trump's. And I'm like, that, that should have been on your profile. Like, why did you why did you not, you know, put that out there right away? So, I mean, we talked about, you know, talking about politics and then I could offend everybody else but I, I really won't go into that I just thought it was so funny that I'm like why is a Trump supporter and an Obama supporter on the same day like I, where's the camera why, why you know is this you know funniest videos sort of stuff <laughs> but yeah uh, I like the the idea of comparing it to a game show and need to take a quick tangent to ask you what your favorite game show is Oh my gosh. If you I don't think one. I've watched a game show in a while. Oh. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't I don't really watch a ton of them. I'll watch the prices right every once in a while if I'm at home and it's on. And it's like nothing's changed and it's wonderful. Except Bob Barker's not the host. But otherwise all the games are still the same. I mean I, I love the traditional ones. I used to watch The Price is Right with my grandmother and I watched Jeopardy and, you know, all of the all of those. Um, but like these days, like what am I watching? I, you know, nothing so i'm sorry i have i have no answer <laughs> it's okay that you only offended game show enthusiasts which i don't <laughs> think there are many in my audience at least uh, i did this gassy. is just because i saw an episode of this recently but um it's the the one that rob lowe hosts that i believe is called the like the ultimate samurai something like that and you're it's essentially just answering trivia questions but you're in like a gyrating machine while you're doing it so it'll like spin you around five times and then put you in front of this and be like do this simple division problem and i just think that's the worst thing in the world as someone who gets motion sickness with a lot of lateral movement i'd be like they would put me in this and i would vomit and that would be that would be the moment there'd be no answering of questions it would just be a man 
breaking right in front of millions of viewers. I mean, this is what we've gotten to at this point. It's like, well, you can't just do normal trivia. Let's really screw this person up badly and then do it. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's that's just Tuesday for me. So um, I <laughs> this is hitting too close to home. But it's almost <laughs> like, um, what what is it? You know, whenever uh, like uh, pilots go through uh, space and then they have to like uh, reassemble because you know they've they've hit you know. Oh my gosh, all my science fiction readers are probably cringing right now. They're like, oh, she's such a poser. She doesn't even know words. <laughs> you know, Anyways, when they, when it's they like space that, travel, you know? yeah. <laughs> see, I just, I, but see, when I'm writing, I have time to think and go Google things and use Wikipedia, which all my readers are probably cringing more. They're like, that's why none of her science makes sense. Uh, <laughs> as long as you cite Anyways. your work, that's all that matters. It's fine. <laughs> It's not what my work. No, I make it up. It's it's all me. Um, that's why I'm writing fantasy now because in fantasy everything's just magic. You know, it's like there is no explanation. Okay, it's just magic. Deal with it. That it, yeah, that is a, a nice thing to fall back on. If someone complains about it, be like, clearly you've just never seen this magic before. And then you make them mm, feel bad yeah. for not experiencing life to the fullest. <laughs> I. I freaking love that. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're really sheltered. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I think my my life goal is just like how many people can I offend? Um which is, you know, it's a, it's a goal. But uh <laughs> It is a goal. I like how you said I I'm just going to call him Centaur Carl cuz I don't know his actual name, but um you said this was book material <laughs> while you were I chatting with or, you know, hanging out with him. I I don't even know what seeing a centaur, if there's a, a phrase for that, uh, besides just like dumbfounded. But um, do you, did you ever let anyone know that they were perhaps going to be in a book based on your date or was it all pretty uh, on the DL? Um, no, I totally did. And, and it's, it's ironic that you brought up that guy because um, the book was good, uh, getting published at that point. And so I had a version of it on my phone and the way that we had matched. And so uh, for those who have read the book, you'll remember, this is the guy that said, I have a refrigerator stocked with canned rosé and like a world-class macaroni and cheese recipe. And that's all that was on his profile. Not that I work on the Trump campaign or anything like that. Um, and I matched with that guy. And so when I was talking to him about my current project, I said, oh, I wrote this dating book and you're actually in it. So we, by the time the book had published, we had gone on that date. So I didn't put the date in that book. I put it, I think, in book two. But anyways, I pulled it up on my phone and I like handed it to him. And he's just like, I mean, this is a guy that was not impressed by anything I did. Um, he was so over me and um, as he should have been because we, we didn't have anything in common. Um, and so he knew about it, but he didn't care. And then afterwards I dated a guy for quite a while, like two or three months and the book had come out and he actually read it. And then I was writing book two and there were so many hilarious things that were about our relationship that I wanted to put it in there, but it started to get to that point where it was kind of crossing the line. And he even commented and he goes, I just hope I'm never in your freaking book. And I just was like, mm, you just don't recognize yourself because you are. <laughs> um, 
so you know, I wrote book two and Michael and I every now and then, you know, he'll like make a joke and be like, oh, that's, you know, for your next asshole book. But I don't know that I would ever do another book like that because it became really hard to date people after a while. They didn't want to be in the books or they didn't want to get made fun of. Understandably, I get it. Um, so, yeah, it, it's not an ideal place to be in. I don't think I'd ever want to be like a full time memoirist or something like, you know, Augustine Burroughs, who just puts it all out there for everybody. Yeah, it's nice to have a mix of uh, fictional characters that you can can take some of the, the brunt of criticisms and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I feel for the people in my life <clears throat> because... You know, people people quit telling me things after I started writing them in books. I, th- I think that's probably a common response to being written. <laughs> I'm not telling you anything anymore. My hairstylist told me something the other day, and it was so good. But I write fiction now, and she just, like, stopped in, like, you know, mid-stance when she was doing my hair and, like, froze. And she's like, oh, God, oh, God, you're going to put it in a book, aren't you? And I'm like, yes, I am. Because it was about her sister-in-law. And she's like, oh, my God, this is going to come back and haunt me. And I was like, yes, and it's also going to make me money. So deal with it. Um, so sorry, people. <laughs> the lady had named her yeah. child Captain. And the middle name was um, Jack Sparrow. <laughs> and th- and I'm, I cannot make this stuff up. Then um, when the child was five, they let it sorry, it, he, um, <laughs> legally changed his name because he didn't like to be Captain Jack Sparrow anymore. I mean, I get it. It's already taken. Um, so they legally changed his name to Captain Kristoff because he loves Frozen. And I was just like, oh my God, I need to meet these people. Like, these are the worst people ever, and I love them. <laughs> so they'll probably listen to your podcast and be really offended and then be mad at my hairstylist for telling me the story. But this is how much I care. Well, this, this uh, has not been published yet, right? The the story of this. So they're they're getting a sneak peek even. They're getting a scoop, an exclusive. They should be thrilled. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so, I mean, besides on this podcast where I've, you know, ruined my reputation with my hairstylist, <laughs> um, it, it went into a fantasy book. And I just did an alteration on it, you know, like, hey, we're going to have a child. Should the middle name be Columbus, you know, uh, Jack Sparrow, you know, like just different captains. And they're like, oh, God, what's the first name? Like, we know. So I just I think that that's what writers do, though, is we just take inspiration from all over. I mean, I could never be one of those like hermit writers. Like I go out and I meet people and then I find them really entertaining and then I put them in a book. Um, so that's how it happens. But I, I mean, besides on this podcast, I didn't use that specific actual example. I just took the inspiration. Yeah. And I, I agree that there's inspiration everywhere. And I think writers are a lot better at looking at it. And one place that I found when I was living in LA and we're gonna, we're gonna get to this towards the end of the podcast, I, for you to answer as well, but one place I found really good inspiration was I didn't have a car when I lived in LA, which is like the worst city to not have a car. And so I would just ride the bus everywhere. And my goodness, the bus in LA is full of interesting folks. Oh, I bet. I bet. And you could just all day long observe people and the weird things they do. Yeah. And it's, 
it's never, yeah, never ceases to amaze me. There were a couple of uh, of regulars, and we'd, we'd always kind of nod at each other. There was a guy in a Yankees hat who was probably in his 60s or so, very nice man. He empathized with me sometimes when I'd sit next to a crazy person. He'd like glance over and give me a face like, ah, you got this one today. <laughs> I was like, yep, I did. <laughs> That's funny. You always feel like you have to take a shower after you get off the bus. Oh, I know. I could, I could just imagine. And, and I mean, you're right. Like there's places like buses. Buses are perfect for getting inspiration. And so I'm constantly watching, you know, people, people watching, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I just look like a creep. I look like the person <laughs> on the bus that you didn't want to sit next to. It's like, are you rubbing your hands together and like chuckling <laughs> softly to yourself too? <laughs> yes, uh, we have met. <laughs> yes, I am the creepy person. Um, I'm the I'm the eccentric. So yeah, take your inspiration. Excellent. You yeah, so it. they're they're writing about you. You might be in more books than you even knew. I I almost am positive that I have become the inspiration. Um, for lots of things in books that I never want to read. I'm also the reason a lot of people are in therapy, but okay, <laughs> whatever. It's it's all part of this life goal thing. <laughs> so at the end of each podcast, as I alluded to, what a segue. Uh, the, the I like to end with a top three. And I think for you, since LA is full of such interesting and odd little places... Uh, what are your top three spots to see eccentric people in action? Other than the bus. Ooh. Bus doesn't count. No, you've already taken the bus. Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, um, let's see here. Um, I was at the beach um, this last weekend. And I just really find that re- interesting because people are in their beach clothes. And yes, I'm looking at them. And the families and the dynamics and... Um, it's like a casual sort of relaxed. Um, and then I, I love, um, tourist places because it's really interesting being sort of a local watching, you know, the tourists and how they, they react to the things that I think, uh, we take for granted. Oh, Disneyland's right there. The beach is 15 minutes away, you know? And so I, I really like that. Um, and then let's see here. Um, Going to a shabby chic restaurant at like happy hour and just watching like the singles and this whole mingle thing. It's really interesting. That's probably why I can't actually date successfully is I'm too busy just like watching everybody dating and and uh, taking notes, making up stories in my head like, oh, she's totally done with him, but he doesn't get it. So those are my three. Nice. Yeah, I, I always love to just kind of make up backstories of people, I, especially at restaurants. Yeah, it's just like the the mix, and especially in L.A., just the mix, the melting pot, to use the very overused phrase, of just people coming together. And it's magical. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And especially like those shabby chic restaurants where you really can't get any good food. You know, it's like... Um, Brussels sprouts and th- and people are like, oh, I d- can we split an order of like you know sautéed Brussels sprouts? And I'm like, oh, can we just get some fries? Um, so I like those places because they're full of those pretentious types. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. Well, that's that's everything I've got for you. You're almost off the hook, but any final parting words of wisdom? Where can people find you if they don't have this book? Where where can they get it? 
Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thanks for having me on. So all my books can be found on Amazon. And um, you can w- visit my website. Um, and it's sarahnofke.com. I write the book under the name Sarah Fuller. We were trying to protect my identity and the people that I was going to offend. And then it all just kind of leaked out and it didn't matter. So then the book, Everyone in L.A. is an Asshole, is um, under the name Sarah Fuller, but I write under the name Sarah Nofke. So that's Sarah with an H, N as in Nancy, O, double F as in Frank, K-E, dot com. And there you can find links to all my books and send me an email about all the ways that I've offended you. <laughs> and I will read it. And then I'll write about you in a book. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, just like a compilation of angry emails. I'm sure you probably you go. have gotten... Uh, enough at least for a little novella maybe maybe down the road you can get some more for a full book and i mean i have to be grateful because i have amazing readers that are super supportive so hopefully i have a lot more really positive ones but yeah i mean i i get some some pretty spectacular emails from people that are highly offended and want to tell me how to live my life and where to do it um but bless bless their gentle souls Anyways, thanks so much for having me on and uh, really appreciate all the support. Absolutely. And I'll leave you with a joke because I also like to end every episode with a joke. And let's make it LA themed. What does an Angelino and a bottle of beer have in common? They're both empty from the neck up. Get after it today, people. (laughs) 